0: It's the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly re edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Broering. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. Rick is in Florida after NKU wrapped up a eh, trip in the, uh, what is it, the Gulf Showcase, right? Is that correct? Gulf I- Coast Showcase, Gold that's Coast right. Showcase, yes. And I'm in my palatial estate in beautiful Burlington, Kentucky, uh, getting ready for another uh, Bengals game and Bengals coverage this week. So we got a lot to talk about. College basketball, big college football weekend ahead, and of course uh, some Bengals with the, them coming off the win over Pittsburgh and the game coming up at Tennessee. Um, well, Rick, we'll talk a little Thanksgiving in a little bit too, but it is obviously Thanksgiving Eve. We're doing this podcast right after UC and U of L uh, played. I'll call it a game. Good for UC; they won. We'll get to college basketball a little bit. You run the podcast, but uh, you and I decided to wait to see how that game played itself out. Um, I will say this. My Lord, Louisville, I looked at their schedule. They've got a three-game stretch of Western Kentucky, Florida A&M, and Lipscomb. And I'm not sure they beat Western Kentucky, mind you. I'm not sure they beat Lipscomb, mind you. That might be literally, Rick, the only chances that Louisville has to win a game this year. I'm serious about that.
0: I am, too. I keep hearing people say things like, well, they're going to win a handful of games. And I don't know where those handful of games come from. Well, well,
1: Rick, game. Rick, if you win three games, that literally could be a handful. That's close to a handful.
0: Oh, I, I, I usually think of more like Johnny bench hands. I need at least five wins in there. <laughs> okay. than a handful.
1: Fair enough. I'm you're, I, I think you're right. I think you're right.
0: Yeah. I mean, come on. The, but like, I'm, I'm with you. I look at their schedule. It'd be one thing if this team was like young, talented, and just not figuring it out or their chemistry was off or they weren't making
1: shots. They're not talented. They have two guys, I think, that could play at a high Division One level. L. Ellis and Mike James, and I don't. I don't think there's anybody else that comes close.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't and know. I'm not telling you it's start.
1: Bad. L. Ellis could start. L. Ellis is a nice player. I feel bad for him because he's a good player on a really bad team. But honestly, the, the rest it is bad.
0: Yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not here to in- single out any individual kids, but I'm just telling you they are not a talented group. That's no. their biggest problem. Agreed. All right, but let's get into some Bengals talk to start this podcast off. They beat the Steelers 37-30 in a game that was back and forth early, but the Bengals somewhat controlled it in the second half. Burrow was brilliant. The defense was great in the second half, and Samaj P. Ryan, of all people, caught three touchdown passes. They'll play at Tennessee this Sunday at 1 p.m., If you missed our recap podcast on Sunday night, we did that after the game. You can catch that on local12.com or on your podcast feed. But Skinny, some news came out today while you were covering the team. Uh, Joe Burrow, at least, kind of made some news. And then Zach Taylor maybe walked some of that news back. But we're talking about the Jamar Chase injury. Right, He returned to practice. Joe Burrow says they expect for him to play on Sunday. Where does this stand at this point?
1: I think that's Joe's expectation and hope, I believe. Um, I I truly don't think anybody's made any decision because he has to push it and and try it and uh, work through it. I think the good part is, as Joe mentioned, he ran on Tuesday, apparently. Uh, he might have meant Monday, but Joe said he ran yesterday, meaning, in my opinion, Tuesday. But guys can get days confused, but neither here nor there. Said he ran, um, sounded like he, he ran pain-free. We watched him a bit today. He did uh, stuff, he didn't go to the rehab field, but he did rehab work during the time we were allowed to watch practice, which is the first 30 minutes. Caught a couple of passes, but wasn't really running routes, just kind of stood on the side catching some stuff. Um it was funny, we, we, there was a bunch of us uh, from from TVs that have real cameras, to those of us like myself, amateur videographers, etc., we shot him coming up to practice, and I thought he made it a point to kind of run up the hill, there's a hill right when you come to the practice field that you can run up, it's not a big hill, mind you, but it is a, an incline, it looked like he made it a point to run up that hill to show us that things were, were, were okay with him, and he looked like he ran fine. Um, and I think for Zach Taylor, it is, I, I think he'd like to get him back in some way, shape or form, but I think he's playing it the right way. I think he's truthful. In what he says is you got to see him go through some of this stuff and you got to see him test it at some point before you can, you can allow him to play. I, I think he does. If if I was a betting man today, Rick, I, I'd say he gets a handful of snaps against Tennessee. Um, maybe no more than 25%. If it's more than, okay, great. That, that means it was worked out even better. Um, but that might even be a reach at this stage. I, I've always been a big believer of guy comes back and then add a week to it, in my opinion, usually.
0: Well, and he is one guy that may actually be pretty valuable as a, a quote-unquote decoy on the field for a handful of snaps. Agreed. Time. Yeah, agreed. Not, not saying that you would put him out there before he's ready, but even if you're not planning on get him heavy usage, send him across the middle and taking big hits, just having him on the field makes the defense think, Okay, wait, what are they using him here for in this situation? Is he gonna take the top off our defense in the spot?
1: Yeah, and as a fellow reporter said to me today, and, and they were right when they said it, said, you know, you're I think you're right about the handful of snaps, but what if he makes two big plays in those handful of snaps? Sure. How much of a difference could that be? And I'm like, Yeah, no quite right, exactly.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Either adjust to him or you roll your roll the dice and say, Maybe he's a decoy, we're not gonna pay too much attention to him and, and get burnt by Jamar Chase. I mean, the Bengals will gladly take that as well, I think. Let me ask you this though skinny because the offense has been rolling pretty well recently. Do you think there's anything that'll have to be I don't know, refigured out on the offensive end when Chase is back in the mix?
1: I don't because I I think the way Joe Burrow's operating right now is it's it's such a high level um of him of him just being able to read quick he's, just, he's been always, he's always been good at that but some of their concepts they're doing some high low concepts in the middle of the field that are really good right now um, and 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 all you're doing is you're you're putting him in for the likes of Trenton Irwin and Trent Taylor and don't tell me that's not a better athlete running those things and good for those guys that, to do what they've done and you know in their limited opportunities. I I mean, that's what if you're a good football team and you have aspirations, you better have guys that can step in like that. They're not going to give you Jamar Chase production, but they're going to give you something. And both those guys have given them something. Um, But yeah, and I think the offensive line, honestly, there was a stretch of probably two series in the in the Steelers game where they got beat a little bit. But for the most part, man, if you look at the five man protections, they're really good right now. And if you're going five dudes out in a route, and the five-man protections are holding up, and this guy can scan the field, and you've got concepts where you know you're going to get in-breakers on a lot of stuff, and then teams have to change, and you're going to get maybe some up the sideline, you're really hard to stop. And honestly, this came with them not running the football great on Sunday, and maybe they don't have to. You know, maybe we've made too big a deal of this. It's it's more of, hey, you know what? When We've got the concepts working the way we want, and we got the quarterback operating the way we want, and we protect them. Run game be damned. We'll run it a few times. And then, you know, the swing pass stuff was, was so effective this past week um, for Samaj AP Ryan to catch three touchdowns. I, I think it's, you know, you get Jamar chase back. No, nah, there's no adjustment period. It's just it, it. And that's the thing about Burrow, man. He's so good when he's right. And I think early in the year, he wasn't in that frame of mind of just take what the defense gives you.
0: I think it kind of goes back to the, the quote Burrow made in the offseason of pick your poison. Right. With this group, you know, when they're right, they don't care how often they're running the ball or passing the ball because they'll just take what, whatever you're giving up, they'll take, but it's more of a thing where they've dictated that to you, right? Like sometimes sometimes it becomes a situation where the Bengals are saying, take what they give us. And it's like, you're you're just dinking and dunking the whole game. I like it when the Bengals are aggressive first and then the other team is basically on their heels and now it's like, well, now we have to really stack the box to stop the run, or now we have to really roll extra coverage over top to Jamar Chase and it's opening up Tyler Boyd underneath and all these other things. That's when the Bengals are at their best, is when they're dictating what they're going to take from you. And uh it really doesn't matter whether it's run or pass,
1: I think. Yeah, and and that's where I think you go to the first couple of games where it was Joe probably wasn't 100%. The offensive line, you didn't know what you had completely. And they weren't great. No offense. They weren't great the first two games. And Joe wasn't probably taking what he could get those first couple of games. But once they've gotten in the flow, I mean, let's go back. Now, this team's now 6-2 and two, with one loss being a last-second field goal at Baltimore where you screwed up on the goal line. That's a, that's a pretty good run at the moment in this league.
0: One of the other big storylines in terms of injuries has been DJ reader's return. He came back last week. First of all, how did you think he looked and has there been any conversation from the coaching staff this week when you've been talking to him about DJ reader and how he responded to that first game back?
1: Yeah. So Zach was asked on Monday. We talked to Luana Rumo on Monday. I talked to Logan Wilson today and um, it's funny because uh, my guy, Jay Morrison from the athletic was the one that asked Zach a question of, Hey, he had no tackles, but that's not the key stat. How did you think he did? And he talked about, hey, you know, he he was stout in the run game. He freed up our linebackers. Luana Rumo basically said the same thing. He had a play where he dropped into coverage, actually, that led to a sack that we talked about on, on Sunday's podcast, the postgame podcast. So it's so funny. And that's the guy that when you look at raw stats, you go, eh. But when you really deep dive and you talk to coaches about his impact in players, and that's what Logan said. He said, Jermaine and I had good games because DJ helped us have good games. And so that's the impact of DJ Reader. It's never going to be felt statistically. It's just not. I, I can't tell you advanced analytics on him in that game, to be honest with you, because I didn't deep dive. I just took coaches' words for it. Maybe he sucked from deep analytics for all I know. <laughs> I, I don't think he did, not by the eyeball test. I think he did uh, some really good things. And I think the defense showed that in the second half, and he was a big part of that. So, yeah, him coming back was big. It was interesting. He was limited in practice today with an ankle. Um, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it surprised me because there was no injury designation coming off the game. He did not have an ankle injury before the game. He had a knee injury that he was coming off of IR from. So that was a little little questionable. So, um, And I think, I mean, no, no offense, they need him desperately for this game with Derrick Henry.
0: Well, and that was the point of bringing this up because, I mean, you would think he would make a significant impact in whether the Bengals are capable of beating the Titans or not.
1: No question. And I, he did last year, Rick. I mean, I, I know that, and I asked Logan this thing, I said, I know, you know, Derek Henry was compromised with the injury and all those things, but you know, just uh, what did you guys do to kind of bottle him up? And he, he gave the, gave the whole, it was a team defense, you know, everybody doing one eleventh of their job, blah blah blah, 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 And I think there's some truth to that though. I think if you're going to stop Derek Henry, you have one misfit, one missed tackle, he gone. And it really is. It's a gang tackle mentality. It's a, if you're supposed to stuff a gap, go stuff a gap. And if you're supposed to scrape across that because he stuffed the gap, go scrape across that. Um, and I think they did do a great job on Derrick Henry. Again, I get that I, I, I'm not trying to poo-poo what the Bengals did by any stretch, but he was not 100%. It was a playoff game he played because it was a playoff game. Um, but for the most part, they were right where they needed to be to not allow him to spin out and make big plays And so, yeah, DJ Reader is such a big part of that. I think the other part, too, Rick, is, you know, Josh Tupo was back at practice today. And while you go, eh, well, Josh Tupo's in a perfect world is DJ Reader's 15-snap-per-game backup. And those are two pretty stout run guys, and that's a big deal because DJ's still not going to play 100% of snaps.
0: No, no, definitely not. But, yeah, getting Tupo back is huge, having Reader back, huge. I mean, this was a game that I had marked down as – one that I looked at as a loss, but the way the Bengals are playing right now and starting to get some guys healthy. I mean, if you look at it, you've got Tupo reader, Jamar chase back, and you got this thing rolling the way they do right now. You feel a lot better about this game as a Bengals fan than you maybe did two or three weeks ago when you were looking at it.
1: Yeah. I I think the big part is this is, I think both eyeball wise and statistically the best defense they've faced to this point. And I say that even with what Dallas did to them, but that was early in the year where they were trying to figure some stuff out. Um, and, and again, this was the defense that sacked Joe Burrow nine times last year, right? And so th- this is the defense that you literally you went out, and this is why you got Alex Kappa and you got Ted Karras and you drafted Cordell Volson because last year a lot of that pressure came from Jeffrey Simmons and those guys inside. And and when they didn't get a sack, it freed up guys on the outside to get sacks. I mean, literally, this was this is kind of the litmus test game for – this is why you did what you did in the offseason, this kind of team. And so I, I I do think that's a concern because let's see you get it done. This is what you were taken for. This is what you were signed for. But I, I do think that they are in a really good place to be quite honest.
0: What's the latest on Joe Mixon's concussion?
1: Yeah, I I'm gonna I'm gonna err on the side that he doesn't play, and I say that on a Wednesday night as we're doing this with him not practicing on Wednesday and usually knowing how concussion protocol works. It's different for everybody, but there are steps where you have to go to a, a, a a light workout, then into a more, strenuous workout into a practice into being cleared. Well, he didn't practice today. Usually today would be, if you think he's got a chance to come back on Sunday, today is kind of light workout day. And then it ramps up Thursday and then he ramps up more Friday. Um, I'm going to err on the side of I don't think he plays on Sunday and if he does I don't think it's a ton of snaps. Maybe I I hope I'm wrong for Bengals fan's sake. That's just kind of my my you know 60,000 foot view at, at what I've seen from concussion protocol guys. If you remember T Higgins was in protocol early this year, he was back doing light workout on Wednesday and played the following week. Um, or that, that actually that week is what I mean, but he was back on Wednesday. Joe was not back today. So that's not probably a good sign.
0: Right. And again, we're recording this on Wednesday night. So things could obviously change in the next 24, 48 hours. Those things are always fluid, but that's where it stands right now. Yep. All right, Skinny, we'll get back into this matchup when we talk about our betting segment. Let's switch gears here to the college football side of things. Latest college football playoff rankings. Number one, Georgia. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, TCU. Number four, Michigan. It feels like this was an easy top four at this
1: point, yes. right? It's pretty yes. clean. Yes. And, and so, shame on me, probably, for this and probably other fans, and maybe even in this market, right? Where I'm still poo pooing a little bit, TCU, of eh, yeah, eh, me are too. They really, are they really, but you know what? Last year, we were defending TCU. You know, who we were defending TCU as Cincinnati. Correct. And so that's why I look and I go, yeah, they don't always win pretty and they win weird, but they're in a really good league. I mean, no offense to UC fans. I'm sorry, but they're in a better league than UC was in last year and they keep finding ways to win. I mean, honestly, the, the win to me, that was probably the one where you go, okay, guys, was the win at Texas. They were seven and a half point underdog and went in and won in a weird way where they've kind of been outscoring people and won 17 to 10. So, um, I'm at the stage of if they don't lose, and they still could. I don't think they lose to Iowa State, but Iowa State's so squirrely. They're they they they're one of those sneaky teams that you go, you should be better than what you are, and you can go win a game like that. I do think if they play Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game, that is going to be a really scary game because of the pressure involved. Kind of like UC last year, because of the pressure involved. Um, but for argument's sake, and we've talked about this, so let's just assume. Let's assume TCU wins both of their last two games, their last regular season game against Iowa State, and then their their Big Twelve championship. Okay. And let's assume, for argument's sake, that that Georgia beats LSU in the in the uh, in the SEC championship. So
0: Georgia will be number
1: one. Correct. And the Michigan i Michigan Ohio State game is. Close and I don't, it doesn't have to be two points. I mean, even 10 points can be a close game depending on how it shakes itself out. It's just a competitive game, 30 to 20, and somebody scores late, whatever. I think that's the top four at the end of the day. And, and then obviously, the winner, the Ohio State Michigan winner, goes on to, to beat the slop Iowa, whatever Purdue side of the Big Ten. Um, I think USC though does have the opportunity. So does LSU. If LSU beats, so it's so that's the great part about right now. It's so fluid because if LSU beats Georgia, you're in, and so is Georgia. I mean, both of them are in, and then that really cuts the field down to a to a small sample size. You know, Notre Dame's got two tough, or excuse me, uh, USC's got two tough games left. Notre Dame, and then the and then the Pac-12 championship game. But those also give them two great opportunities for really good wins, and one loss on a two point conversion. I mean. Good Lord, do you keep them out at that point? So that's the thing. I think it's really fascinating this year, probably even more so than it was last year. It was more fascinating last year because we had a local interest in it in Cincinnati, but it's really still fascinating this year.
0: If USC loses
1: to Notre Dame
0: in a close game and then wins their they're championship. Out. No, they're out at that point. They, won't won't. they They have to win both. They have to win both. They have to win both. Um, yes. What, I mean, we... I think we could have something interesting going on if, let's say, TCU loses, right? USC loses one of the yep. next two games, LSU loses to Georgia.
1: I know where you're going with this. Clemson loses to North Carolina. But, well, Does Bama work itself back in, right? Is that where well, you're going? I
0: mean, honestly, even before we get to that point, it's just like just the fact that I'm saying Clemson and Bama are next up in line. Either one of those schools getting back in seems crazy to me.
1: I know. But, I, but it, I, it could be a legitimate possibility, right? It's in play. It's got to be in play. Um, You have to have so much. That's like the train wreck scenario. But that's the great part about how this always seems to work out. When at the end of the day, (laughs) excuse me, even last year, I think even the most ardent UC sucks that are a small conference bull crap team. How they get, I think even at the point where it got to you, it all sorted itself out. And by God, they deserve to be in. I mean, you can use to almost every year. Yeah, right. No, it does. It really does. And and you know for TCU that's how it's got to shake out for them too. Of, all right, guys, you want all your games? Good for you. You're in. Tag you're it.
0: Yeah. The way it's sitting right now, though, I will agree with you that I think the loser of that Ohio State Michigan game, assuming it is a good game or a relatively good game, has a pretty good shot to still get in.
1: I, I, and I think it should. Now you can argue that neither one played much in in the in the postseason, but then I or in the pre in the pre season. But yeah, but I could also argue, let's just assume for argument's sake, because this won't affect anything This happens. It'll affect the LSUs of the world and the whatever, but, and the Clemsons and, but if, if Notre Dame goes and beats USC, you go, well, wait a minute. Holy cow, Ohio State beat, if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan, which I don't think they do this week, and we'll talk about that in a bit. You can go, well, Ohio State does have a win over Notre Dame, so here we go. I mean, there it's It's a really interesting last two weeks of college football, which is great. Now, what would be greater is if we could be arguing about teams 11 through 16, because I think we could probably have arguments there too.
0: Oh, could you imagine if we were having to fill out a 8-team a or 12-team playoff right now?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, let's look at some of the local games from last week. Cincinnati beats Temple 23-3. to Big story in this one was Ben Bryant hurt his foot in the first half, and Evan Prater had to finish it out. Believe it or not, the world did not end, and the Bearcats still managed to win, uh, despite what just about everyone in town would tell you if Evan Prater were to play quarterback. it was going
1: to end. They he, were up when he came in.
0: He was 12 for 17 for 127 yards. He ran nine times for 24 yards, had a long of – 15 one, one nice run. Basically uh, Luke fickle says Ben Bryant is tracking for a game time decision in Friday's regular season finale against Tulane skinny. Do you think they have a chance if Ben Bryant doesn't play?
1: I do. Um, because I trust Luke fickle to figure something out. I, it is really interesting. I, I you know how, and you're the same way where coaches do so much smoke screening, both good and bad that you sometimes it's hard to read the tea leaves. Um, on a week that becomes a short week, right? Not, not by a lot, but still becomes a short week by a day because they're playing on a Friday. Um, What he said at his press conference on whatever day that was, Monday or Tuesday, kind of made me go, you know, on a short week is Ben Bryant probably, or excuse me, is is Evan Prater probably your guy because you can get him more practice reps and you can get Ben Bryant and then Ben Bryant's in the bullpen? Maybe that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, or there's also just the Fact that he might be more talented, I don't
1: know. Um, that would it, boy, boy, you are you are going to beat this drum until it happens, aren't you?
0: I mean, did, 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 what did you think? Did you watch it at all?
1: I thought he was good, but it's Temple, bro. Sure, that's who they've been playing most of the year, bro. They're in the American. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was okay. I thought he was okay. I thought he was more than serviceable, and that's and that, I mean that sincerely. I thought he was more than serviceable.
0: I, I would agree, and that's about where I would put Ben Bryant for most of the year is serviceable. Okay. Well,
1: I mean, I I will say that would be the way if you think Ben is compromised enough physically to where you're like, I can't get him enough practice reps. I do trust him if I have to put him in the game because he's going to be engaged. He's got more reps than Evan in game situations. The thing is, though, I do think the game plan changes probably significantly going into a start for Evan Prater than it does for Ben Bryant, right? And it should, shouldn't it? You would want to
0: call different plays if you're going to use Evan Prater as your quarterback right. than if you have Ben Bryant. You're definitely going to add some some different run packages in there that you're not going to call for Bryant for sure.
1: Yeah, now, now now the other point to that is if if it comes to the point where it's a disaster or he gets hurt or whatever, you just, you know, you fall down for whatever reason, 14 nothing, and you're like, I gotta get my passing guy back in there. The thing is you can always probably I shouldn't say probably. Probably not the right. You can always go back to what you've done because you've done it for eleven games. Of all right, guys, we're going back to the Ben stuff, and you know Ben stuff, and let's go back to. It. So I I don't think it's quite as dramatic as I'm trying to make it out to be, but it's still semi dramatic because this is a kid that hasn't played a lot and hasn't started, and you're going to throw him into a game you have to win to win a conference championship, not because of anything other than injury, but. I get, if you have to do it because of injury, that's just kind of the nature of the beast.
0: Yeah. I mean, there was the option to, you know, get him some snaps throughout the year and use them a little bit. So fair it enough, didn't completely catch him by surprise like this, but you don't, you don't plan on your quarterback to get hurt. I understand that. I just, I, I guess what I, so we saw him play some extended snaps here in a real game that mattered. Yeah, and no, it mattered a lot. I, and everyone has kept acting like, I mean, that the. the, the, the he was just going to break down and melt if he had to throw a pass or if they, he had to run an offense for any amount of time. And it's like, I guess I don't get where those fears were coming from. He looked fine. He looked, looked like a, a quarterback.
1: Yes. He looked like a quarterback, but I'm, as I've said this a thousand I mean, times, you, but
0: like you guys talk about him, like he is a strong safety
1: behind center. <laughs> I talk about like, he's a wide receiver behind center, maybe. But uh, Yeah,
0: exactly. Sure. I, I do not think that's fair based on what we've seen.
1: No, and honestly, I mean, for UC fans, I hope if the kid starts, he goes out and rips it up, man. And I, you know, like I said, I probably broadcast four or five of his high school games and I enjoyed watching him in the year that they won a state championship up in Canton. That dude ripped it up like a maniac and it was fun to watch. and It was fun to broadcast. It was fun to cover. I just still have my doubts about him as a full-time quarterback. I just do. I'm sorry I do. And shame on me if it it comes to fruition that he's not. If it does, then I'll be the first Dude, I'm you know me, dude. I'm on me call you. If I screw it up, I'm going to tell you I messed it up. I'm not, I hope I'm wrong.
0: Hey, by the way, you're not responsible for this decision. It's Luke Fickle. I mean, I don't – I'm not holding you accountable. <laughs> yeah, no, no, Luke no, Fickle no, no but, with but, you. But,
1: but, but and that's where I go back to if you're Luke, I think your decision is is based on a couple of things of can you get Ben reps in practice this week? Um, Can you get him ready for this on a short week coming off injury? Or do you go, hey, listen, I can't get your reps, but we know what you can do best. We've got that in the bullpen. We're going to go with Evan because we can give him reps all week, get his pack. I think it's the other thing too, Rick, is get his package in, right? Because you aren't repping his package for the most part with Ben Bryant. Let's get his package in. And if things don't work out, you know, we're going to, we know you're going to be limited in what you can do, but we, we're we going to put you in at that point. And so I I don't say it's the best of both worlds. Cause it's not, you want to have a definitive quarterback with a definitive set of what you want to do going in. But I do think it gives you a little wiggle room of, all right, Evan, we're going to get the package. that is best for you, which is probably far more runs, obviously, probably four more RPOs, probably all of those things. And let's let you cook. And if you cook, Ben, I'm gonna sit you here because you're hurt, and then we'll make a decision come AAC, AAC championship game time. I'm not messing with that. Right now I'm focused on this game Tulane. lane. We win it, we're in, and we're hosting. And I think that's that's probably a goofy good place to be despite not having your quarterback who started your first eleven games of the season.
0: Right. And who knows? For, I mean, for all we know, Ben Bryant might be fine and ready to go and they're just playing games behind no, the scenes. Right. So. That's correct. Yeah. Um, Georgia beat Kentucky 16 to six. This was a surprising score to me. I mean, kudos to Brad white and his defense. I did not expect them to hold Georgia to 16 points. Uh, it was one of those big bend, but don't break type performances. Wasn't it. I I
1: thought, I thought they played their ass off. Um, again, I, (laughs) It was a weird weekend because then we find out that Mark Stoops had signed an extension before the Vandy game and they were trying to find the right spot to announce it and there really wasn't a right spot to announce it and voila, there he is getting his extension, which good for you guy. I mean, if you can leverage... The, the rumor of you going to Nebraska into this kind of extension, then Jimmy Sexton's a freaking genius, which he apparently is because he's the best agent of all time for coaches. I hate him like a son of a bitch. I just hate him uh, because <laughs> of stuff like this. I just hate him. I it, it, I mean, if, if an AD buys into that crap, then you know what? You go, you know what, chief, just go. I, uh, these c- Listen, I don't begrudge anybody making money. Good for you guys. But, man, the coaching contract stuff – for six and five, seven and five, eight and four coaches is just beyond me, bro. It's, it really is beyond me. What was,
0: um, what was the, the terms of Stoops?
1: Oh, extension? It's, it's like 10 years and 8 million a year, 7.6 million a year. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Plus there's escalators for bowls and things and guys with the thing. And, um, you know, if he, I hope there's an escalator if he can beat Vandy the next time I mean, he deserves the escalator for that apparently. Cause he can't beat Vandy. Um, <laughs> But the thing that was disturbing was – it's not the favorite. The thing that was distressing to me as a, as a graduate – so people need to understand. When I, when I talk about Kentucky football, I talk about this is the only thing I'm passionate about is Kentucky football. I don't know why that is, Rick. I just am. You wear
0: your heart on your sleeve a little bit with the Wildcats football I, program. That's not with it.
1: basketball. People well, you like Not I'm, at all. No. With football, I do. So the thing that was distressing to me was the defense played their ass off. I got why they slowed the game down in the first half. I fully understood – Slow it down, less possessions, but it was almost like by the time they let Will Levis rip it, and the kid, from what the 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 CBS sideline reporter and others talked about, was Will said, "I'm putting my my you know I'm putting my ass on the line for this game. I'm going to run when I need to run. I'm going to just rip it." And he did. He ran when he needed to run. I mean, he made a great scramble and got hurt down inside the 10-yard line, and then they don't get the ball in the end zone and all those things. It was just a – and so to me, it was like, just let it, let him let it rip. And if it doesn't work out, guess what? It's still Georgia. And so at the end of the day, you look at me and go, well, oh, 16-6. Boy, that was fun. They played Georgia close. And they did, but did it matter when you could let it go? Stop. Try I hate coach stop trying to lose games. Go try to win them. And if you don't, just tip your cap and go, you know what? I tried. You're better.
0: Well, that's that was my exactly what I was gonna ask you about. I mean, while the score surprised
1: me, I looked at it and was like, what what were you trying to do there, Stoops? Trying to like, cover like the spread. Sp- trying to cover the spread, which I do appreciate by the way. Thank you, Mark. Stoops. Well,
0: and 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 as much as we respect that on this podcast, yes, in we all do. seriousness, For Mark Stoops as a head coach, do you think it does anything in this year to lose by 10 to Georgia? Like in another year where you're making your claim, maybe great, keep it close against Georgia, but this year go for the jugular, try to get the win. That is the sparkling point on, on your season. That would be the only thing to really brag about this year is that win over Georgia. Why are you playing it so conservatively?
1: Yeah. That's the thing that was just really frustrating to me. I, I, you know, I, I watched the whole thing. I I didn't get emotionally invested in it because I'm like, listen, they're better. is better. I'm not going to go crazy over this stuff. But then when it got to 16-6 to 6 with the ball and driving, I'm like, well, son of a bitch, punch this damn thing in with five minutes to go at 16-13. Let's go. This, is, Let's go. It's on. And then it wasn't on. It, so it
0: was not on. Uh, <laughs> Bar- Barry and Brown looks like he's going to be special.
1: If, if he stays. If
0: he doesn't transfer. Yeah, exactly right. Which uh, – Coach Stoops said this week that all of his talented freshmen are getting approached by everybody and other schools are just waving money in their faces. Of course. Welcome
1: to NIL, bro.
0: Yeah, which, by the way, they do have a a pretty impressive looking group of freshmen.
1: They do. Those receivers are great.
0: Uh, Any thoughts on his claims about what other schools are doing in the SEC?
1: No, he's a clown. Like, is this news to him or? Yeah, I was going to say, dude, what? I mean, it's now legal to cheat, so grow up and go do it. I mean. Yeah, they were, honestly, they were
0: doing that before NIL existed there, coach.
1: I mean, last time I checked, I'm sorry, UK basketball fans, I did go to the university and I did grow up before John Calipari is a UK fan in the, in the 70s and 80s when I was a child. But anyway, do you think Kentucky basketball didn't cheat their ass off in the 70s and 80s? Hello, Eddie Sutton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on!
0: All right, uh, Ohio State beat Maryland forty-three to thirty. This was actually a wild finish. A wild it, finish. The game was closer than it sounded. There was a strip sack for a touchdown to end the game on Ohio State's side. Um, Tua Tagovailoa's little brother really, in my opinion, outplayed CJ Stroud. Played, in this
1: great. Game. Yeah, played great, yeah. I he played great. That said, and, and I, I did a uh, my. I do a weekly radio hit with with uh, Eddie Fingers and Rocky Boyman or whoever's in for him on Fridays. So we did it today because of the holiday. And I kind of half-joked of, you know, Ohio State can hang 45 on anybody at any time, anywhere. And Rocky <laughs> joked, he goes, it is the craziest thing I've ever seen where you're like, they suck. And you look up and you go, they scored 45 today. And that was kind of like this Maryland game. You kept watching going, gosh, can they do more than this? And you look up and you go, they just put 43 on the board. They're they're, they're crazy good offensively. They're crazy good.
0: I, I think I actually said something to the effect of like, oh, they're not going to get to 40 in this one right before the strip sack happened. Yeah,
1: and that helped. That <laughs> helped. But still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even when they slog along, they're still in the high 30s. If you took any college football program and go, hey, your team's going to score in the high 30s every week or low 40s, how do you think they'll do? They're going to do pretty good.
0: Not if they're playing Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Uh, the Heisman race appears to be down to C.J. Stroud and USC quarterback Caleb Williams right now. It feels to me like C.J. Stroud might need a big performance against Michigan on Saturday to lock it up.
1: I agree because I think two things come to come into play for for Caleb Williams is the potential for a big game against Notre Dame, yep. right or wrong, whether Notre Dame's great or not great. And they're good enough, I and mean, they're going to be in a nice bowl and all those things. It's still Notre Dame on a national scale. And then the Pac-12 championship game, if he's great, Rick, I, man, I'm doing this off the top of my head, and, and somebody can, you don't have to look this up at the moment, mind you. I think he's 36 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, or 33 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. It's something weird. And C.J. Stroud's numbers are similar. And we can all argue of, well, look what they're playing behind and playing with. Yeah, but they still have to deliver the football. And I don't think either one of those guys are going to be a great NFL quarterback. I don't. I mean, thirty three and three. I, what is it? Thirty three and three. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I was close. I knew, I knew I was close. Yep. So I don't think either one of those guys are going to be a great NFL quarterback. I don't. And I think the the funny part. I, I read a, a piece this week that really tatted Will Levis about the adversity he's gone through and fought through and gotten banged around and had to make quick decisions. And that's where they said, you know, everybody looks at these guys from these schools putting up big numbers and go, that guy's going to be great. And he said, in theory, they do have the physical skills and all those things. But when you're in a perfect pocket and you're in a perfect circumstance with perfect receivers, you're going to be great when you don't have those things. And how do you handle those things? and deal? That's the thing those guys look at. That's why I've had a bunch of people go, oh, Will Levis sucks. He's not going to be. And I'm like, no, it's not a matter of what you think you see in the numbers. It, none of it translates. And I've, I've, I've made this joke before, and I hate to do it to Ohio State people listening to the podcast. And Justin Fields has probably surpassed this. And you're not going to know this because you're too damn young, Rick. Do you know who the best statistical Ohio State quarterback is probably before Justin Fields in the NFL? Uh, Troy Smith. Uh not even close. You want I'll give you one more you want to give one more guess? Do you want to just give a Just tell me. Mike Tomzak. Go look him up.
0: Oh yeah, the old Steelers guy.
1: Oh, well, he was he was an old Steelers guy. He was an old Bears guy, I believe, an old Colts guy. Go look that's that's who the best Ohio State quarterback that's coming to the NFL is. And that includes the guys in this this Urban Meyer Ryan Day run. And I'm not knocking them for that. But when you stand in a perfect pocket and go, you're not open. You're not open. You're oh, you're open. Oh, okay. Here you go, Marvin Harrison. I I came back to you on a third time. I'm not knocking. I I promise you, I'm not. But it's a big difference. That don't that stuff don't happen in the NFL, man.
0: Yeah, it's got to be a hard adjustment period to go from. And- that to, you know, playing behind Carolina's offensive line or Washington's offensive line or something. No,
1: and that's the funny part for Burrow because Burrow played behind some of that at LSU where it was like, oh, perfect they protection. were as
0: dominant as you can
1: correct. Be. And he went, I got Justin Jefferson and Terrace Mar I mean, dude, Terrace Marshall was the third receiver on that team for Christ's sakes. And Thad Moss, who was a good practice squad kid. He's I mean, they had. Edwards 11, he had dudes and he knew it. And that's the funny part. If you go back and really evaluate Joe Burrow the way I'm talking about this, you go, ah, bro, I don't know. Yeah, but that's why this is so hard, right? Yeah, Because I mean, the
0: exact thing you're saying about, it's not easy to play behind a perfect situation, right? excellent blocking, the most dominant offensive line, the most talented wide receivers, and then make the jump to the NFL where it's not going to be like that. Yet at the same time, you do see guys like, Joe Burrow come out of the best programs with all that stuff and they do succeed. So it's not like you want to ignore those guys. No, that's right. It's really difficult to figure out what transfers to the next level and what doesn't. And as much as these experts think they have it figured out, they They miss
1: every year. They don't, they don't.
0: Wrapping up the, uh, Kyle, well, really, that was it. We were uh, just talking about that Ohio State game. Right, um, should be another great weekend. Obviously, we'll, oh, we'll great. look forward to Ohio State, Michigan. We've been talking about it seems like for uh, three months now, and finally, yeah right
1: it, it, It's like the ramp up to what you knew was going to happen, without you knowing what was going to happen.
0: Yep. All right, let's get into college basketball, which is really, sure. I mean, to me, aside <laughs> from championship week, feast week is one of the best weeks of the year. It is. Um. All of the local teams are in action this week at various multi-team events except for Kentucky, but we'll start with Kentucky. Dude,
1: they had North Florida. Come on, dude.
0: <laughs> we will start with Kentucky because earlier this week, not the North Florida game, but earlier this week, they played Gonzaga at Gonzaga. They lost 88-72. to They never really had a chance in this game. They fell behind big early, went just 6 of 25 from three-point range. That's 24% and skinny let me set this up for you the problem that i see is that oscar shibway has played well in both the michigan state and gonzaga games and it still hasn't really ha- it, well it definitely wasn't enough in either game Not and in right. the game against gonzaga it wasn't even really close to being enough
1: no i mean it was billed as him versus uh versus drew timmy and it didn't make a difference i mean it made zero difference drew timmy was great and shibway was great so it didn't make any difference um so I don't do this very often, Rick. I really don't. So I went to a, cu- Kentucky, a couple of Kentucky message boards just to feel the tenor of the, of the fan base. I love
0: where this is headed.
1: And I I was stunned where people have gotten to where I got to five years ago with Cal, that he's a carnival barker, clown, etc. cetera. And honestly, I think he is. I do think he is. Um, He's stubborn. He doesn't want to change offense. I feel bad in a way. It, it's you know you know what sucks in a way is you're kind of beholden to Shibway in the post in a year in an era where you don't play through a post, but if you want to play through the post, go play through the post. And he's got a point guard who can't make threes on a consistent basis, and he doesn't know how he wants to do his rotation on the wings. It's just a it's just a weird way that they're playing the game right now. I mean, like today they beat. North Florida by 40. Good for you. I mean, they're by games. They kick people's ass. You know why? Because they're just better. Show me what you got against somebody good. And I don't even need you to beat Gonzaga. I don't. I kids they're great. They got dudes. He's got dudes on top of dudes, and so do you. And you got boat raced. And Michigan State, you got out coached at the end of that game. And so I-, I talked about this. I don't know if I did it with you, Rick, or, or uh, on a. I do a Lexington radio hit every Monday, which is funny. On, on 590 WVLK with Jack Patty, who's been a longtime radio host there. And I love Jack. He's a great guy. And I, I he laughed when I said this. I, and I, I said, you know, you could wake up on December or whatever that is, 18th or 17th, after they get to the UCLA game and they have Michigan before that, you could be six and four. Is it going to cost you your season? No, because you're still going to go, you know, win a bunch of other games. You're going to win a bunch of games in the SEC. All those things. You're going to go to the tournament. But for a team that thought it was going to be a one seed or a two seed at minimum, and make noise in the NCAA tournament, and it needs to for him, you better get it right, man. That's on you at this point, bro. Don't 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 give me any other excuses. Uh, we don't practice enough, and Oscar's been hurt. Shut the f up, man. Go coach your team and be better.
0: Well, and the thing that just gets so tiring is. Look, his teams have gotten better as the season yes. has gone on, typically. And, and that makes sense with a young group. But again, except, I go for,
1: except to, for a two seed losing to a 15 seed and a team that won 19, 9, 16. But other than that, you're right. Well, you're right. You are right. I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm just giving you credit. No, I was, right. I was actually just going to get to that. I was going to say, you know, as the, the regular season goes on, like you mentioned, they will end up winning a bunch of SEC games. We know that'll happen because they do improve, but you see a common theme that keeps coming up in these big games, whether it be postseason games uh, in past years or these early season opportunities to build your resume and earn nice. yourself a top two, three, four seed. They are so stagnant offensively, oh, and they go Lord. through these stretches where they just can't seem to do anything in terms of getting guys a decent look. And it's like, it, it, it looks like the very first year when he had... John Wall and Eric Bledsoe and DeMarcus Cousins and all these guys who were so talented, but they couldn't make a shot. And they played that West Virginia team that went zone in the Elite Eight. Yep. And they just couldn't do anything about it. It's like every every time they they play in these big games now, it feels like they're sort of back in that mode again. It's like, we just can't possibly make a three in a big game. Uh, It's more than just making threes. But if you're a UK fan, at some point, it just feels like you're watching the same movie over and over again. You're hearing John Calipari say the same things after the games over and over again. It's like this team was supposed to be different. This team had experienced guys coming back. This got this team had guys that weren't five star freshmen that weren't, didn't know how to play. It, it, it has an or Antonio veterans and a CJ or French. veterans. Yes, I, I, that's why. Like, it, it's just it's really annoying and frustrating. I think for UK fans to hear the same BS this year about this group because they were supposed to be different and it's the same exact stuff.
1: So you and Chad Brendel have talked, our friend Chad Brendel from bearcatjournal.com have talked about roster construction. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And it used to be roster construction of not having three point shooters. For me, it's this. and I do this for my own personal aspect as a coach? Uh, And I don't have a choice of my roster construction, but when you have a severe Wheeler, and an Oscar Shibway, it doesn't match. You know what Severe Wheeler needs to play in? A complete total five-out system of get downhill. You want to gap him? Kick? Bang. You want to have a slow, crazy, goofy, like, this guy's a point guard that can just get us into our stuff and throw it in the post in Oscar Shibway? Great. And that's not to smirch either kid, but they don't match. You have a true post-up center, and you have a downhill point guard. How do those things match, Rick? And you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've coached and you know the game and you know how much I respect you about how much your knowledge of the game is. But it doesn't seem like that mixes and matches at all.
0: No, I think that's a good point. And, and maybe this partly goes back to Calipari's philosophy on what he's doing with his program in general. And and it it's the same thing that the fans don't like when he encourages players to go – go pro as soon as they can and his number one goal is to have as many first round draft picks and lottery picks as possible as opposed to as many championships as possible and all of that stuff it feels like a lot of times Cal lets these young guys or whoever the most talented guys are go do their thing play in this open system and just keep doing the same stuff as opposed to OK, maybe we're going to change it up this year and we are going to play slow through the post because we've got a national player of the year candidate, yeah. in Oscar Shibway, and, and we're going to do something that makes more sense for this group. And we're going to cater to like CJ Frederick and Oscar Shibway instead of my five star freshman that just came in.
1: And those guys are really good. I, I mean, I, I think those guys are, are really, really good. Sure, Antonio Reeves' talented. transfer is really good. And I maybe today was a nice little. It wasn't a tweak, but you know, he loves the tweak and the twinge and all that stuff. The tweak of An- Antonio Reeves starting today was maybe a nice thing, a different thing. Um, but they just seem very dysfunctional. Not because I don't think they like playing with each other, or they just seem very dysfunctional as a team.
0: I agree. Well, skinny. I mean, I think you'll agree with this. There's you can't deny the fact that his system and what he does there has been great for letting these guys showcase themselves as draft prospects, right?
1: right. No, right. So,
0: I mean, maybe that's ultimately what it boils down to is he's going to continue to let these young five stars showcase themselves and make sure his system allows for them to do that. And that kind of leads to what we're talking about, which is a system that isn't always conducive to playing, playing to your strengths and potentially winning basketball.
1: Yeah, right. I agree.
0: All right, let's, uh, I guess let's talk about my guys. Uh, I'm, I'm down here in Florida. Wasn't good. NKU coming off the win over UC last week goes 0-3 at the Florida Gulf Coast Showcase. The Norse lost 82-61 to Florida Gulf Coast, 60-56 to UT Arlington, who is bad. Bad. And 82-69 to Toledo skinny it was it it was honestly inexplicable what we just saw compared to what we saw a week ago from this team they were just not the same guys at all they did not get very good play from any of their top players this week and uh obviously it showed i don't think there's any any harm in losing to florida gulf coast or toledo both of those correct but
1: the middle the middle game's the one that's the one that you're like you win that game you probably win the fifth place game Yes. And because and, honestly, Toledo was probably and you, you saw them. I'm just doing this off of knowledge of preseason, all those things. Toledo might have been the best team in the tournament, which is the craziest yeah. thing to think they were playing for seventh place.
0: Correct. They were in, in theory like the one seed. They were the team right. that everyone right. expected to be there. Their top 100 and Ken Palm. They were like 80th coming into there. They'd already wow. beat UAB that, this yeah, season. Wow. So they were picked second behind Kent State in the Mac this year and were expected to compete. They've got Uh, a preseason all-conference first-teamer and JT shoemate. So they're really talented on the offense then. They don't play much defense, but they're really talented on offense. Um, So there was no shame in losing that game. But I mean, like today in that game, NKU comes out, doesn't score for the first five minutes of action. They dig themselves a 20-point deficit within the first 10 minutes of play. And then the rest of the way, they play fine and they, they outscore them. And and lose by what, you know what twelve points too, or whatever. Yeah,
1: too little, too late at that point.
0: Yeah, thirteen points. But yeah, it's like you can't you can't just not show up. And you know sometimes these multi team events are goofy, and you're you're playing at weird times with hundred hundred pe- literally like one hundred and twenty seven people sure. in the gym today as the sure. listed attendance.
1: That what it was? Is that what it was really?
0: Yeah, they they listed it. I, I it was it was <laughs> it was three digits.
1: I, I didn't see that dude. That's, and the first right. one was
0: one. I think it was one twenty right. something. Yeah,
1: that's that's not good.
0: Yeah, but all that being said, it's still, if you're NKU, you got to come out with uh, um, a little bit more pride than that. And and like all these, all these things can can be different and and weird things can happen in these events. But the fact of the matter is right now, the only division one team that NKU has beaten is Cincinnati. Right. So uh, aside from that game and, and quite honestly, NKU's defense is a matchup nightmare for Cincinnati's offense. And I think that had a lot to do with the way that game played out.
1: Or the coaching of Cincinnati's offense. But yes.
0: Uh, that's kind of what I meant. <laughs> uh, but but I, I think right now, NKU kind of has to look in the mirror and say, guys, we've got to get it together. Yeah, that was a great win regionally for us. It got us a lot of attention, but we have not really played good basketball yet aside from that one game.
1: No, that's what I was going to ask you is, is how much do you think the win over UC gave them the, Hey, we're really damn good. Um, how much did maybe the first loss in this tournament shake them up a little bit off of that? And then, you know, the UTR game, I'm going to take as a one-off cause you always, everybody always plays a, and then all of a sudden you're looking up and like, Holy crap, this Toledo team was picked second in the Mac behind the team that just kicked your ass early in the year, Kent state. So it's a pretty good team on paper. Uh, it, it felt like a weird shakedown the way it worked, but how much do you think the UC win made them go, we're pretty damn good? And you know what? You are because you won that game, even though we both don't think UC is great. We'll talk about that in a second. But how much do you think that was um, the false sense of we're really good?
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's the, the typical reading your own press clipping sure. is cliche, right? right? Right. But the thing I go back to is, NKU really hasn't played well. I would think it was that, except for they didn't play well prior to the UC game either. So honestly, they, they,
1: they didn't even play well against
0: UC Claremont. That's what I'm saying, except for maybe the the, the second half of that game. But you're but, better. You're, you're better. I mean, you're better. Yeah, it's a Juco.
1: You're right.
0: And that's kind of my point. It's like, aside from that UC matchup, which let's face it, you have a sold out crowd providing the energy for you. So you really right, didn't have right. to provide any of your right. own energy. And you... Were a perfect matchup in terms of the style that you play right. for what no, West right. Miller is doing this that's year right. and the way you see is built.
1: It was in a fact you can't story. figure out how to attack a zone,
0: but there's that too. Yeah, exactly. But aside from that, it's like th- you have not played well at all, and that's why I I, I don't even know if I, I chalk it up to the they they were feeling too high coming off that win and and had a letdown here. I just think they're not playing very well right now, and the disappointing part about that is they too have a bunch of returning guys who are experienced within the system and they're starting back at square one, just like they did last year early in the non-conference where they get off to a slow start. And granted every year they've shown the ability to play their best basketball in March when it matters and, and make a run to Indy in the horizon league tournament. But you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're a three, four, five seed going into that tournament. You want to dominate your league at some point and, um, to this point, they just haven't been able to get that going early in the year.
1: No, I mean turnovers are a big thing. I, I listened to you and Jim in the first half, and and I listened to Jim's the end of Jim's pregame, or at least his pregame analysis, and your analysis a little bit about Darren talking about taking care of the basketball, and and they have not done a very good job of that. And they didn't. And it felt like Marquez work. I swear to God, every time I listen sounded like. He, what do you wind up with turnover? Maybe I'm wrong, but he had eight turnovers. I to say he felt like he turned turnovers. over I say, it felt like a every time I listened. And Trayvon Faulkner had four. If, you, if two of your yeah. top players have 12 right. turnovers, you're not winning. No, right. I mean, especially against that. I mean, Toledo's not Kentucky. It's not Duke. It's not Kansas. I mean, you can turn over some. I get it. But not against a team like that. And they're, whether they're the second-best team in the Mac, or not, you can't turn over that many times. So I think the things that are going on, and you can certainly – because you're there and you're the color analyst – they, they, they seem correctable, right? And you have enough time to get out of this tournament, take a deep breath. It's a great teaching moment of, hey, you guys ain't as good as you think you are. You just got your ass smoked in three games in a crap tournament in Florida after beating a major Division One team, and so let's fix all the things we need to fix. Let's stop being so careless with the basketball. Let's take care of it. Let's rebound better. I heard you today, I mean, Chris Brandon on the glass a couple of times, you pointed him out, not in a bad way, but you were right to point it out if he was not rebounding. As good as a rebounder as he's been, he's been a great rebounder. And yet, you talked about a couple of times, he just kind of stood around and let somebody else try to go rebound. And maybe he was fatigued, maybe was the, you know three games in three days and he's the main rebounder, all those things, but still... I think it's a great teaching moment. I think that's the one thing about a one-bid league. It sucks because you got one shot, man. You got three days in March to get it right and make it work. But that's also the beauty of it is you got three days in March to get it right and make it work, and you got three or four months to get to that point.
0: Yeah, and I think one way to look at this is, okay, are you worried about Marquez Warwick long-term for this team? No, he's proven right. for two straight right. years that he's right. going to be money down the stretch he's been garbage he's lately. go to score. Right. So it, uh, are you worried about Trayvon Faulkner? He's had a bad start to the season, but he's a fifth year player. He's yeah. had a great career. You know what he can provide in terms of athleticism and defense and toughness. So he's going to play a role on this team and be solid for you down the stretch. Now what happened today when they dig- dug that huge hole and they had to to basically take some of their starters out like Trayvon and Marquez, and the Trey bench Robinson. kids were great. Because the bench kids were great.
1: The bench kids came off and were great.
0: They brought in a freshman named LJ Wells yep. Yep. from Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who's six, seven, two Oh five. He's been impressive in practice. And the kid went off for 20 points and right. seven rebounds. And that was without them running any plays for him or anything. He was just out there hooping, grabbing rebounds, driving guys, to the rim finishing, using his size and his strength. So I mean, you add that guy into the mix sure. and if you can get someone like Trey Robinson going again and Chris Brandon to continue to play with some consistency, that could be a big revelation for you. And then the second part of that is their point guard, Xavier Rhodes, took a major step forward this weekend. Not He's been solid in terms of handling the ball and defending and, and setting up his teammates in transition the whole season so far, but he has not been much of a scorer. All of a sudden down here in Florida, he has really started to shoot the ball well, and he's been finishing off drives to the rim at a high clip. Uh, he looks like he's poised to be one of the top point guards in the horizon league this year.
1: All right. I have to go down a complete NKU warmer hole. So I'll ask you one more question before we move on. Do they have too many ball dominant guys? Cause I've always thought Sam Vincent was a ball dominant guy. And this is not a criticism. It just is what they are. And Marquez Warwick, um, Trayvon Faulkner, probably less in the in the kid you're just talking about and Xavier Rhodes. Do they have a too many ball dominant guys where it makes the offense stagnant? I don't
0: think so. I mean, part of the way they play is they let their best players have the ball a lot and they just I'm put good them with in, that. and they put them in their spots True. over okay. and over and over again. So I think that may be what you're seeing a little bit more. Quite honestly, I think at times. They don't have guys that are selfish and take charge enough. Okay. Like Quez is pretty good about it for the most part, but there are times you'd <coughs> like him to do a little bit more. Um, aside from him, it's like, yeah, you, you need Sam Vincent to be as aggressive as possible because sometimes this offense just can't find a way to score.
1: Yeah, no, I just wonder. I mean, when you have a bunch of guys, you go, well, you can be a point guard and you can be a point guard. And you can be a point guard and you can be a ball dominant, not just point guard, a, a, a point guard who can score. It, it can be really tough.
0: Yeah, but I would be worried about that if Quez and Sam weren't, like, spot-up shooters. Yeah, They love to spot up and shoot, too. So if they can get those looks, they have no issue playing off of guys. And actually, Xavier Rhodes being able to create off of ball screens has helped both of those guys, I think.
1: I've not seen Xavier Rhodes play, but if it's me, and it's just me, I'm putting the ball in Sam Vincent's hands and go get the hell out of the way, and he's going to create for all y'all.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, look, they, they have Sam Vincent... Playing a whole lot too. He did not play today because uh, he suffered an ankle injury in right, the first game right. of the season, and they yeah, just right, didn't, right. he didn't respond well to back. Right. To yeah, that I mean, game, for a
1: seventh so. place game. I mean, this game. There's no. You're not in resume building mode. So yeah, you're fine with that.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Maui real quick, and, sure. and we'll talk about sure. the game that we just watched. Oh my
1: lord! Do we have another 45 minutes for Maui?
0: <laughs> well, Skinny, you brought this up a week ago when we were previewing the the possibilities of Feast Week, and you said wait for this seventh place game that we're going to get between Cincinnati and Louisville. And I'll be damned if we didn't only get it, but it lived up to the hype. It was an Man. absolute slop fest.
1: Was, was it the hype or just live up to our disappointment? Listen, the one thing I'll give you see is this, you know what? You didn't lose to a shit team. I mean, you didn't, I mean, you did what you had to do to win. You made open shots uh, you did some really good things. David Julius came through like he should. Landers Nolly made some shots when he should have. Louisville is a, is just it 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 pay, it really does. As a Kentucky grad, and I have Louisville friends that are grads. I mean, it pains me to watch what Louisville's going through. But my lord, Rick, they're so they're bad. They honestly they have a three game stretch of Lipscomb. I'm doing this out of order, probably. I'm sorry, Western Kentucky. Florida AM and Lipscomb. It's a three-game stretch. I think it's after Kentucky. Might be one other game after Kentucky. That might be before Kentucky. Whatever. It's this month. It's it's in December. rather Not this month. It's in December. That three-game stretch, if you look, and then you look at the rest of their schedule, you're like, that's, you got a shot to win a game or two, and that's it, bro. That's it.
0: So Ken Palm has them with a current predicted record. Of 7 and 24.
1: Well, and they're going with some home ACC wins, and I get it. I do get it. I mean, you can't just all of a sudden just poo poo the fact that maybe they get better based on their analytics. Home ACC, you're going to beat a pit. Pit's terrible. I mean, you know, you can beat somebody perhaps, but boy, they're bad.
0: The only games that they actually have them as the favorite and now that, you know, they have the projected record of 7 and right, 24, right. but in terms of the head to head, the only games that they are favored in are the home games against Florida A&M and Lipscomb. They don't have
1: a favorite against Western? They do not. Wow.
0: They're a one-point underdog, according that's to game. That's incredible. Okay. And then the home games against Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech. Wow. And that's it. So let me ask you this, Kenny. Let's go ahead and put a number on it right now. They have, what, there's six games in here, so they have nope. 25 left.
1: Dude, I don't even need the number you give me left. I know where you're going with the questions. So okay, so
0: questions. so how many how many wins
1: can you get Louisville to five? Five just because it just because they're going to win the the Lipscomb they're going to win Lipscomb, Florida A and M lose to Western. Maybe they win Western, and they're going to find a way to eke out two wins inside the, five. Five is my number.
0: I, I I don't think so. I think I, I will go three. I think they win three games.
1: Good lord. Is that the craziest thing you've ever seen in your lifetime?
0: Here's the thing that I can't get over. I watched Hersey Miller prepare to become Xavier's second best walk-on a year ago. And he's Master,
1: one Master of their or per, real Master P Jr.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if it really matters. Louisville would take matter. either at this it, point, it but I'm matter. talking about Jr.
1: <laughs> yeah, correct.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that just but but Cincinnati on the other side, they, they lost to Arizona 101-93 and 81-53 to Ohio State before meeting up with Louisville. Um, I, they just don't really have much of a chance inside and offensively this year, I don't think.
1: So, I hate to do this because I I get as a coach you think you've got a strength and you try – that one two two three quarter court press that whatever – Wes Miller's trying to put on. It's not even a press, the 1-2-2, 3-quarter two, two, court slot fest that he puts on. What are you doing, my man? What What are you doing? I it is a,
0: a layup line.
1: It's a layup line. Now, he got out of it in the second half tonight, and um, that was a good thing. And then the offense did some good things because Louisville sucks. I did look at their schedule, Rick, and you can call it up as I'm talking about this, and you can disagree, they're losing to Xavier just because Xavier A is better, and that that bottom line. I mean, maybe not, but I know it's in fifth. Third. Well,
0: Xavier's it. strength is UC's weakness too. Correct. The court play.
1: Correct. So let's assume that loss. There is a possibility UC gets out of the non con at nine and four at this stage, believe it or not. Go look at the schedule. It's yeah, not. Yeah, they'll great.
0: beat NJIT. They'll beat Bryant. They'll beat Miami of Ohio. By the way, NJIT
1: NG, has, has Paul McMillan, who's a local kid on their team.
0: Yes, they're 330th in, in the I country. Know.
1: They're terrible, by the way. Yes, but yes. Miami of
0: Ohio is 295th.
1: Yes, correct. Yeah.
0: They got LaSalle. They've got Detroit Mercy, and that's the rest of their non conference. So, so, West well, I'll, to, to give Wes credit, we questioned him during the offseason when the schedule came out, and I said, "I'm disappointed because I thought their team was going to be better this year." And he scheduled yeah. like they're going to be terrible. All
1: right, so and so he was right. So, so you can probably agree with me. There's a really good chance you get out at nine and four. We'll we'll agree on the Xavier loss. I think most Xavier, most UC fans would. They hope not, but that's again when you're projecting this stuff. So nine and four on the non-con, and the league still sucks. Could you go eleven and seven? Go twenty and eleven. Get an nit bid and be happy with that, or even a college insider bid and be happy with that. Yay or nay?
0: Oh, I don't think they'll be happy with it. I think, I think you see to the point that. where it's NCAA tournament or bust. To well, be they're happy. not getting there.
1: They're not getting, there. dude. Even nine and four non-con, you better go fourteen and four. You better go fifteen and three non-league with losses to Houston is what you better go.
0: Well, they they didn't have enough wiggle room built into their schedule in Correct. terms of strength correct with to take the loss to NKU and then not pull off a win over Arizona or Ohio State right
1: correct no correct
0: yeah yeah they're not making the NCAA tournament so no I don't think they'll be happy but I do think you know they're not headed for a Louisville type season because they play in the American they will be a, a middling team to maybe top half of the American and they can still salvage the season and and you know, go to the American Conference tournament with the idea that they could win that
1: potentially, Right, but yeah, based on how it goes down. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, they have some parts. I mean, did Julius, when he's, Going can score. Landers not only when he's going, can score. Let me throw in nine threes
0: against Arizona.
1: <laughs> and I, th- I think he's been good. He's not, uh, that, that was kind of an outlier in my opinion, but you're right. He did throw in nine threes. You know what? Victor Locken cries about every foul, but he's a serviceable post guy and he plays his ass. off. I know you probably hate him when he cries and I do too, but no, it's, it's not I, that I think the kid, pl- I think the kid plays his ass off. He tries so damn hard. I just think
0: he struggles with athleticism and yeah. strength. And it's like, if, if, if what he wants to do offensively doesn't work initially, right. he gets flustered so no, he easily. he does.
1: He does, but he does he does battle. So I I like that kid. I mean, they got kids that battle. They're they're just not very good.
0: No, but what about the Arizona game where they scored ninety three points? Is that I mean, like Arizona is goofy that you have to so, score ninety five to one hundred just to even compete with them. But so I still don't the- understand how UC got to ninety three points and scored sixty plus and a half.
1: I do in a in a way. So part of it is the UC that goofy one, two, two, three quarter court thing made Arizona have layup lines. And most college teams, as you know, not all, but most are really good at hitting you back fast. They just are. And so when it got to the track meet of this is a glorified pickup game, because honestly, Rick, for the last ten, twelve minutes of that game, that's what that was. Oh yeah. And then you see in the last it's so funny. So me and a friend of mine, a couple of friends of ours, we put 50 bucks in a pot each month and we go to this website and you have to pick one game against the spread each day. And the person oh, no. wins the month. Oh yeah. This was on me. I'm, I'm still up for the month by like two or three games. But anyway, I had Arizona minus nine and a half and I, I've
0: never seen a line. I liked more.
1: I correct. So, so that, that night I, I came home. I was exhausted from the day for whatever reason. I barely watched the first half of the NFL game. I woke up at 11:30 and I, and I literally just woke up and I went, "Eh, I'll put the UC game on. See how long did I last." And I lasted for the whole thing until 10183. And I went, "Okay, I'm good. Click." And I woke up the next morning and I heard as I'm in the shower, "Uh, oh, UC 10193 losers. And I'm like, "That's not right. No, no, you got the it's the that score's not right. 10193 is not right." And then I go back and look and UC scores 10 points in the last 90 seconds. So, um, They cost me my, my win that night. But
0: Skinny, did you go back and watch how it actually happened?
1: I, I I No, I saw a game tracker on CBS Sports where Reed threw in like two threes yeah. and there was this jo- thing. Yeah, the
0: freshman Josh Reed buried yeah. back-to-back threes on yeah. the last two possessions.
1: Yeah, that was not my, my favorite loss of all time. It didn't cost me money because I'm still up by a game at this point, but still. Um, yeah, so... I think that game just became a because I've had people ask, well, how do they score all these points because it was a glory. It was literally, if you got guys at Devereauxs, go have at it. This was a Devereauxs league game.
0: No, you're right. It got out of hand, and that and that's how Nolly's also made like nine threes, right. but.
1: No, Credit made him. Nine of 14 nine of 14, man.
0: That's pretty damn good. If you would have told me this time last week that you were going to lock UC alone in a gym for 20 minutes and see if they could get to 93 points not a chance. Or, or get sixty-three and a half, 63 and a half, I would not have believed you.
1: You could run the three man weave and not get there in 40 minutes with that group.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, kudos to them for at least putting the ball in the basket a little oh, bit. Oh, you're right. That had to be good to see for UC fans.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um, Xavier will start the PK 85. Tomorrow on Thanksgiving, they play Florida at 5.30 p.m. I'm looking at the
1: bracket on ESPN as we speak.
0: And if they win that one, they will have the opportunity to play against the winner of Duke and Oregon State, which you would assume would be Duke. So definitely a big opportunity here for Xavier to get some uh, strength of schedule added to their resume.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't lose the Florida because then you're probably at Oregon State. And then I, I, I don't have the bracket now in front of me because it went away. But you could still go two and one in that tournament, which wouldn't kill you, right? But
0: yeah, but yeah. you don't want to end up like facing West Virginia in the consolation, then have to face them again Correct. next week in the Big East, Correct. Big Twelve. Like,
1: I mean, win when win when, when, when that first game. I don't think Duke's great. I think they're really good. They're ranked fourth or fifth in the country for well, a. They're league. beatable, but they're beatable, right? And so suddenly, you want to take a swing at the stick with that after winning the first game over Florida, which would be. I don't think a huge resume builder, but certainly isn't a resume herder. So you want to go win that game, which I think you can. I mean, I think it's a great opportunity for Xavier. I think the bracket drew out pretty good for them.
0: Yeah, they've got to win this game over Florida, though. Yeah. I think if you if you lose that one and then, like you said, to get end up playing Oregon State, this trip has the potential to become fairly disappointing
1: yeah I, I do think they're better than Oregon State so that gets you that win there to get you the fifth place game but probably in the fifth place game you're playing a good team It's funny you can go like UC went one and two and guess who else went one and two the team that that finished fourth in the in the Maui right I mean they went one and two they lost their first they, they won their first game lost the semifinal game lost the consolation game so it's so funny how that all shakes out of well you finished seventh and they finished third but you both went one and two
0: yeah well it was and it, this is the first time I've ever, been like in the mix at one of these events where you're staying at the resort with all the teams so it's a weird vibe because you're like everyone's eating breakfast and going out to the pool and getting like you're you're amongst all the other teams coaches and players at the same time so you see like all these teams coming back after their loss or after their win and you can just tell the vibe from all of these rooms, like, oh, that's the team that lost. Okay, what? good to know. You don't even have to see what happened in terms of the scores. You can just tell by watching them walk down the hallway of these events. And it's like the teams that didn't get a win or went one and two today, it's like their coaches were all sitting out somewhere by themselves in a little group just looking absolutely manic.
1: I'm sure what Darren Horner looked like today. I can't imagine it was fun.
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't happen to see him. I think he uh, was a away in a room somewhere Probably, probably right. All right, Skinny, let's get to our betting segment. Oh,
1: yes, let's do it.
0: I mean, we have just not been on a good stretch here. I went three and five this past week. I'm now 43, 41, and one. You went four and four, at least made it to even there. Uh, You are 40, 44, and one. My favorite bet of the week was Patriots minus three and a half against the Jets, and it cashed in spectacular fashion. Yes,
1: Yes, it did. Your
0: favorite bet was Kansas plus nine against Texas. and That was a uh,
1: flaming disaster.
0: They did not cover.
1: No. Uh. Not, <laughs> dude, did I get 40? you sure I didn't get 39 and a half? Are you sure? It, I, I double-checked just to make sure I hadn't made
0: a typo, believe it or not, and sure enough, it was just nine. Let's start on Friday at noon. We've got the two-lane at Cincinnati game. Cincinnati is a two-point favorite. The total is 46 and a half.
1: I'm betting on Luke Fickle. I mean, listen, Tulane, that was a great bounce-back win for them last week. They they were terrible the week before against UCF. It looked like they are melting down, and oh, my gosh, it's just Tulane. What a great bounce-back win. But I, I'm i going to be a believer in Luke Fickle. To me, it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. The fact that it's minus one doesn't matter to me. I'll go UC 20. I'm going to go weird score. 29-21. So UC in the over for me.
0: Yeah, we're very similar on this one, actually. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm going to lean into Luke Fickle. I trust in him, and I trust them playing at Nippert, quite honestly. I mean, if this game was on the road, I'd feel differently about it, probably. But the fact that it's going to be at UC, I don't even really care who the quarterback is all that right. much, to be yeah. quite honest. I think they can win either way. Really? I'm going to say UC 27, Tulane 21, so I'm I also mean, on UC in the I, over.
1: I will say, if you look at UCF and John Rice Plum- Plumley, I mean, he's a better passer probably than evan prater but they're both similar really good athletes really good runners and he gave them a bunch of trouble
0: yeah saturday at noon we've got the michigan ohio state game ohio state is a seven and a half point favorite at home the total is
1: 57 sorry vegas you're not gonna sucker me with the seven and a half you're just not i i've been in the ohio state bandwagon all year um Michigan's defense is good. The big question here is, does Blake Corum play or not? And if Blake Corum doesn't play, I'm not sure how Michigan does a ton of things offensively. This is going to be weird because I'm going to go with a blowout with Ohio State plus the revenge factor. I'm going to go Ohio State 37-17, so the Buckeyes and the under for me. And I hate to do under in this game because it just screams over. But if Blake Corum doesn't play, I swear to God, I don't know how Michigan scores.
0: I I agree with you, actually, but I, I also kind of think this will be a blowout where Michigan makes it look closer at the end with some late points. So I'm going to go Ohio State 38, Michigan 27, OSU in the over for me. Then Saturday at three o'clock, we've got Louisville, Kentucky. No, this is not a basketball game, so uh, adjust your expectations for Louisville there. Kentucky is a three-point favorite at home. The total is 43 and a half.
1: All right, this is not with my heart. This is more with my head. I just think Kentucky's better. I, 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 I you know, yep. Will Levis might not play in the bowl game, but Will Levis is not going out a loser. I thought he played his ass off against Georgia. And I'm going to guess he plays his ass off here. I think they let him sling it around because, honestly, at this stage, what does it matter? Um, I don't think Louisville's a, a, a great offensive team. Um, you know, Cunningham has is, is been compromised by injury, the quarterback for Louisville. I'm going to go Kentucky 37, Louisville 20. So Kentucky in the over for me.
0: Kentucky in the over for Skinny there, 37 to 20. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything you said right there. I'm taking Kentucky, but I do not like the high score. I'm going to go low scoring game. I think this will be a good one. I still don't think Kentucky's very good, but at least last week they showed me that they're still fighting and they still care and they are they have a reason to play. Um, and so I'll, I'll take them to win this one, 20 to 14, UK in the under. Sunday, 1 p.m., we've got Bengals at the Titans. Bengals are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The total is 43.
1: Boy, I hate to do this. Gosh, It's funny. So I'm in a couple of confidence leagues where you pick games. I've got a couple where I pick games against the spread. I've got a couple where I pick games not with the spread. And this one of them, you can actually pick a push. You can pick a zero-point game. And I've either done a one or a zero with this game. I hate the line. I hate the circumstance. The only thing I'll say is the Bengals feel like they're playing really, really well. You get any semblance of Jamar Chase back. You beat them last year on their field. I know Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. He's probably not going to do it again. It feels like they have Vegas. I'm leaning with Vegas here of the sucker line of, hey, they just beat Green Bay on the road. They're pretty good. Oh, the Bengals, Yeah, sure, they just beat Pittsburgh, but do you want to lay the one and a half? You know what I do? I'm going to go Bengals 27-17 over Tennessee.
0: Wow, 10-point win for the Bengals. I'll be honest, uh, I feel a lot more confident from a fan standpoint, and my heart wants me to pick something like you did. But I'm going to stick with what I thought originally. I think this ends up in a loss. I think this will be a tough game on the road, and the Bengals aren't going to win out the rest of the way, I don't think. So um, if I'm picking a loss somewhere, I'm going to pick one here. Titans 24, Bengals 21, Titans and the over for me. Then we have our favorite bet of the week. I was going with something for Thanksgiving Day. I figured there's going to be games on.
1: People are going to be betting. Why not? you got to
0: pick something for Thanksgiving Day, right? right? Yeah. I'm going Pats plus three against the
1: Vikings. Oh, I hate that. That I think I think Minnesota rolls their ass and it won't even be close.
0: Good. That's what I like to hear. Every time you say that, I usually do well.
1: <laughs> um, so for me, I'm going to go to the SEC. Believe it or not, Vandy's playing really well right now. I mean, the Kentucky win looked like an outlier. Then they go beat Florida. No Hendon Hooker for Tennessee. They're getting and you can correct me if I'm wrong. They're getting fourteen and a half at what I'm looking at. Even at fourteen. I think I'm going to take Vandy in the points against Tennessee on Saturday night.
0: I, I like that. Kirk Herbstreet dropped a nugget the other day during the college football playoff uh, rankings release. And he said, uh, I don't think they were talking about betting, but he said he would be taking Vanderbilt straight up in that game. Mentioned that there was fighting going on in the Tennessee locker room. It was Yes. Guys had given up on the season yep. and, uh i thought that was interesting hearing the way he talked about it felt like he was giving us a little bit of a little bit of an insight behind the the curtain there so i like that pick a lot
1: and he lives in nashville by the way uh, yeah, yeah. he may maybe up here and i know his kid obviously goes to saint Xavier, which people know but he yeah. tends to
0: have an idea of what's going on correct all right let's get to some ask any anything
1: all right. I, I appreciate people actually chiming in this week, or these may be holdovers for all. I know I don't care because I love the questions.
0: No, we got we got some new ones. Uh, right. I love this one to start off. How many practices would it take for Skinny to turn this Louisville team around?
1: Um, Two weeks worth, and I don't think I could turn them around entirely. I think their toughness sucks. I think their shot selection sucks. I think their fundamentals suck. I mean, there's a lot of things. I, listen. I hate to tell everybody, talent usurps all, and Rick, you know that, so I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, I'm a really good coach when I have talent. I'm a damn good coach when I don't have talent and can maximize it, in my opinion. But turnaround is a a, a relative term. Could I get them to 10 wins with some things I'd like to do? Yes, I could. Could I get them to the NCAA tournament? I sure as hell couldn't. They're terrible. They're terrible. Uh,
0: How many charges would you add into the mix do you think Uh, there'd be
1: a there'd be a blank ton I'm telling you what they are so they are so soft it's obscene to watch it really and truly is obscene to watch and their their shot selections horrifying their 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 spacings horrifying they're sharing the balls for everything you watch. You're like, that's horrifying to watch as a coach. Or it's just it's horrifying. Again, they're not very talented. I, I told you before the podcast. I mean, actually, I actually might've said it earlier in the podcast. L Ellis and the James Kidd are honestly the only two Division One players they have. And that's hard at that level. It's just, it, that's really, really hard. But that's also on the coach.
0: Speaking of which, who
1: is a worse coach? Pat Ewing <laughs> or Kenny Payne? Uh, Ewing, um, cause he's got dudes this year. I don't know. I, I haven't watched them other than like twice, Rick, but I've also talked to some people that have, and you know it probably way better than I do about the fact he's got more dudes than he's had in a while. You know, a couple years ago, he didn't ever went last year. He didn't have, he just had slop. And that's on you as a coach, mind you. Don't get me wrong. That's still on you. I mean, that's a big part of college basketball is you got to go get dudes. That's why I don't think I could coach college basketball cause I couldn't do it. But He's got some dudes this year and they're horrifyingly bad.
0: Well, I think this is one of those things. And Kenny where- took
1: over. Kenny took over. A, listen, I, I don't know if Kenny's going to be a great coach, a good coach, an average coach so far. It's been awful, but he took over a mess. Patrick yeah. has had years to not make this a mess and it's a mess. Um, yes, he did.
0: But I think a normal coach with any type of experience who was established in this would have understood, Hey, I've got to go get my point guard in the transfer portal. Understood, I've got Rick. to go add a, a but, piece but, but, or two but, here to put together a roster. And I mean, he walked in and I think was absolutely clueless. And this team is one of the worst coach teams I've ever seen.
1: No, I agree with that, but I'm also going to tell you, Patrick's had more time to get whatever roster he needs 100%. to get at this point. Right? 100%.
0: What I was going to say is Patrick Ewing has done more to prove he's a bad coach. Right. Kenny Payne has more upside as a bad coach.
1: I mean that Big East championship. Or downside, now depending on how you look at it. Yeah, that Big East championship now, and I'm glad for Patrick because, uh, to Patrick's credit, the thing I always admired is, dude, he's he's he was a he was a dude as a college player. He was a dude as a prospect. He was a dude as an NBA player. And to his credit, he worked his way up through the ranks to be a coach, to be a head coach. And I always thought, good for you, man. You you. Your name was never leveraged. You you came up through the hard way as an assistant and you finally got your chance at your alma mater, man, I hope this works for you. And it's been a flaming freaking disaster.
0: He doesn't need any of this BS. I mean, honestly, I kudos to him for even coming back this year when he's being besmirched all over his former campus and everything else. And he really wants to make it work. I think he he really cares. I just don't think he knows what he's doing quite honestly.
1: It would be good for him probably if John Thompson was still alive, not the younger John, but the older John. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it would help him. I think that
0: might've been where all of Georgetown's problems really started. If we're being honest, maybe Uh, looking at the trajectories of each local college program, what is the rank order between UK U of L UC NKU and XU who is in the biggest trouble slash best shape moving forward the next three to five years? I'm not sure exactly how we would rank them, uh, but in terms of who's in the most trouble, Skinny, who do you think is in the most trouble the next three to five years out of those programs? U of L, and it's
1: not even close. Yeah, I don't Because here's out. the thing. you'll <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll probably go through another year of Kenny just out of fairness, or at least a portion of another year, right? You Just out of fairness. And yeah. out of the fact that you're paying for 16 coaches, it feels like at this stage of the game. Hell, you might still be paying for Bobby Petrino for all I know. They're paying for so many freaking coaches they I'm not sure they can get their head out of water when it comes financially. So yeah, they're clearly the worst. Um I'm gonna go UC as the second worst because I still have doubts about Wes until he can get it right. I mean, if he got the Collier Kid, I'd feel way better. And I hate to do this, UC fans, because Chisel James might be the greatest things in sliced bread. He certainly has the pedigree, he's got the stars. I'm a Ravon Griffiths, a complimentary guy. I've watched Kyle. He's got complimentary guys. Julius is a complimentary guy. And Davenport's a complimentary guy. And you know, Lockins a company. He's got complimentary guys. He needs a dude. He needs a guy that's a difference maker, especially in the Big 12. So I'll rank them next. Darren Horn, I believe in. And, and again, it's a one bid league, so I can't get over my skis on them. Um Xavier would be second. Um, and I still think Kentucky's first as far as trajectory because just because of who they are and what they are and what they, what they can get and who he can get. Listen, he—it's not a matter of him not getting dudes now.
0: No, I mean he's continue, uh the recruiting's ramping back up again. It seems right. like, which, right. you know, I don't know what exactly that means. Although it is worth pointing out that he, while he's landed, continued to land five stars. He has not landed as many of those top one, two, three. Right player in the country type guys but he's as, got four to
1: he's got four to the top eight next year and I know that's not the next three to five years and that's a fair way to evaluate it but hell he might not even be there in two years for all I know so
0: yeah I mean I mean really you know I obviously I cover Xavier and people are going to do the, the Homer thing here but Xavier is in a pretty good spot just from the standpoint of you feel pretty confident that they've got the guy that they want coaching right for the next Probably decade plus.
1: But I think you would agree that Kentucky's upside, as year yeah, for sure, is, is, is Final Four championship. And Xavier's upside is make a deep run, whatever that means, right?
0: Probably, yeah. And I, and like we're saying that about Kentucky, and it, we don't even like you could tell me John Calipari is going to be gone in two years, and I still might feel that way about Kentucky. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's just Kentucky. So, and so
1: would you disagree with any of the ranking or would you switch any of it around?
0: I think you nailed it, quite okay. honestly. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the big concern for UC is just, how long is it going to take after the jump up to the big 12 and how right. much does adding in big 12 money impact what you can do? Like maybe they'll start recruiting at a higher level here. No, in the next right. Years. No, and right. it'll I be a lot do. easier
1: for Wes. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if he got Collier, I'd change my opinion on it. It's just, cause it's just, that's just a, whether he's great or not, who knows? And you know how that stuff goes, and you've covered this stuff for a long time with, with recruits. But, I mean, bottom line is just from just a sheer talent perspective where he's ranked, I mean, that's a difference maker in a pick. You know. and, and,
0: and they need a difference
1: maker whether it comes And Rayvon with, Griffith is not, and Jizzle James is not. They're just good guys. They're great guys to put with a guy like Collier.
0: Yeah, well, I, I also think you need a, a bucket getter too, like a right? guy that can really make shots. And maybe Daniel Skillings ends up being that guy. Maybe. I think he might have NBA potential. Um, and I think he can really score. So we'll see how he develops. But uh, I'm with you. I, I think they need to land a dude. And it's probably going to be a guy with some experience through the transfer portal as opposed to a freshman.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right, too. Yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, all right. Switching gears here to the NFL. Who is more likely
1: to get back into form this season, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, Skinny? Tom Brady. I think he's already kind of done it. I thought that win over in, in uh, Munich was big for them. I mean, Aaron obviously came out today and said he's dealing with a broken thumb. I think he tried to, to to work through that without saying it. I don't think it's an excuse. I think he is dealing with a broken thumb. He looks like a train wreck. They're four and seven. I mean, what are they playing for at this stage? Um, so, yeah, I, I, Tom Brady, it's clear in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. And finally, we'll wrap up with a Thanksgiving question. There we go. I love it. Which Thanksgiving dish do you and Skinny hate the most? Good to see our brand is strong. Hate? Yeah. Not, not what do you like? What's your favorite dish? What, what do you hate the most? That's what we get asked because a, people really find us to be pleasant, I guess.
1: So my mother, who was a great cook and, and she was the Thanksgiving preparer. Um, she was always cranberry sauce out of a canned person and candied yams, which I never liked either. And of course, as a young child, she would slice me off a little bit of the candied yams and a little bit of the of the cranberry sauce out of the can with the with the ridges in it you know the one i'm talking about oh, yeah. every, everybody knows and she goes you have to eat this and i would just resent it cuz i'm like i don't they, they're they're both horrifying. I can't stand either one of them. No, what was, what was
0: with that? Why did you guys, you guys did that some, your generation did it, and your parents definitely did it where like you forced your kids to eat weird crap. Like, it's not like that was
1: healthy for Correct. you. Why, why did you force kids to eat things that weren't
0: good and weren't healthy?
1: Dude, my mother made the greatest stuffing in the history of stuffing. My mother made the greatest tuna casserole of all things. Not, not for Thanksgiving, mind you. I, I can't find a tuna casserole ever. Nobody likes tuna casserole. My mother's tuna I would beg for it once a week. It was so good, Rick, as a kid. It was fabulous. And she worked on top of just being a, a housewife and a mother, but she was just a fabulous cook when she went. So was my dad. My dad was a great, he was a great chili maker. They were, they were both really good cooks. I think I've learned some of my cooking skills from them, but I would never foist food on my kids and go, you must eat that. You don't like it, dude. Don't eat it. Just don't just don't. I don't need you to eat the candied yams or the crappy cranberry sauce. You don't like it, kids. Don't eat it. Yeah, I can kind of understand the like. Oh, you know, you got to try some vegetables
0: because you, you 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 need it for health purposes. And I like, like you,
1: vegetables, but
0: cranberry sauce and candy yams are crap. Right? Those those things aren't like you don't have to have that as part of like a balanced diet. Correct. And it's correct. not like you know. I don't need my food horizons expanded to freaking canned. Uh, cranberry sauce. I, I, I just, I've never understood that. And thankfully I don't see people doing that as much anymore. So,
1: all right. So, so on that topic, cause I was going to ask you this in closing. So I'm glad that question got asked. Cause we're kind of in the closing of this. What's your, what's the most overrated side dish at, at Thanksgiving? Cause I've got one. It's not going to be very popular. I can guarantee you. It's not going to be very popular. If what's you your...
0: say mashed potatoes, I'll smack you in
1: your No, head. no, no, no. I'm not a big, I it's funny. So 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 give me your answer first, then I'll give you that. It's not mashed potatoes. I will tell you that for sure. The most overrated... You Thanksgiving, know, I'm gonna, I'm, not not like dish in general for life purposes, for Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what I think it is. And, I'll, and there's a reason why. It's not because I don't like this food category. I, I
1: think you're going with it. I think you're with me.
0: Macaroni and cheese. Yes,
1: bingo. You nailed it. You yes. freaking nailed it.
0: Okay, so... Two reasons for it. One, because honestly, I don't think it's too many. Filling. People, well, that it, it's another giant carb that's super filling yes. on a day where you've already got plenty of other good
1: correct.
0: stuff. And it doesn't it's not really necessarily a Thanksgiving specific no. food, in my opinion. Dude, Although most other people seem to believe it is.
1: God love you. And I want people to know that you and I never talked about this before we did this. Correct. Just oh, just. We-
0: never talk about anything really are we doing i think that's pretty apparent in the way so we the reason all...
1: i brought this up is i was watching the end of the uc game um and they went to uh, kind of a bump back where they asked a bunch of players in i think that might be the phil knight tournament or another tournament um and other tournaments of what's your favorite thanksgiving side dish and 95 percent of the kids said macaroni and cheese and i went no, it's not. It can't be. No,
0: you know some of these kids might be from the south, and their family make great mac and cheese. I'll just my say, my mother personally, and my wife,
1: my wife and daughter make great mac and cheese. Well, that's my daughter why makes I was... Panera mac and cheese. It's fabulous, <laughs> but I can't stand it for thank, dude, for Thanksgiving. For me, I get enough from a turkey. A green bean or a green bean casserole, stuffing, mashed potatoes in a roll. That's more than enough. I, mac and cheese just weighs it down to the point where, honestly, I just want to die.
0: I, I can leave the turkey. I don't even really care about that part of it, to be honest. No, I and, care about
1: that part. I'm not and
0: that. I get what you're talking about with the mac and cheese. But my issue with it is a lot of times I just don't think people make great mac and cheese. Like gourmet oh. mac and cheese that's made oftentimes
1: to me isn't
0: that good.
1: No, people in my family do. They they actually well, do make really good mac and cheese. And if we have another dinner where they make it on occasion to go with the dish that it needs to go with, I'm perfectly fine with it. But on Thanksgiving, it's like I got two. I mean, between all this other stuff, I don't need another giant carb of just giant glob of cheese and pasta. No. Um, now, don't get me wrong, Rick. I will eat it three days later cold out of the fridge. But not that day. No, not that day. No, thank you.
0: I'm a huge stuffing guy.
1: I am too, dude. My mother, I'm telling you, I uh, she made the greatest stuffing in the history of stuffing. I could have, I could have eaten probably half of a freaking baking dish of that stuff back in my day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds like you may have once or twice. I
1: probably may have. I actually may have gone away to the refrigerator afterwards. Back back when I burned things off and I weighed 143 pounds in high school. It's cha- life has changed since then, Rick.
0: Yeah, I don't ever know what that was like. So I'm. A- <laughs> I'm glad for one of us, but, uh, there you go. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I will, uh, be flying back. We have a layover in Atlanta and I will be back home tomorrow around dinner time. So hopefully I will get some stuffing then.
1: Well, I appreciate you accommodating as always. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. We will be back Sunday uh, with the uh, Bengals post game podcast. After they play the Titans, uh, should be a great game. We're looking forward to it. Everybody, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, um, appreciate you listening. Appreciate the questions as always as well. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly re Edition, presented by Ryan Keeper for Skinny.